The following episode contains violence and sexual assault and may not be suitable for a younger audience. If you are sensitive to these topics, please listen at your own discretion. Welcome back to another episode of Injustice We Trust. I'm your host, Laura. There are many despicable things humans do to each other. An act of hate based on the color of our skin, beliefs, gender identity, and sexual orientation is definitely one of them. This form of hate has always been a relevant topic in all of human history. Sometimes I feel like we are taking one step forward, but other times I feel like we are taking 10 steps back. This is a story about Matthew Shepard. Matthew was born on December 1st, 1976 in Casper, Wyoming, the second largest city in the state, with a population of about 30,000. He was the oldest, with two younger brothers. Growing up, Matthew was described as friendly, but he was always small in stature and targeted for teasing. Matthew attended high school in Casper, and then at the American School of Switzerland, before attending University of Wyoming, where he studied foreign relations, languages, and political science. He was selected to be a student representative of the Wyoming Environmental Council. Matthew's father, Dennis, described him as optimistic and had a great passion for equality and always stood up for the acceptance of people's differences. His friend described him as kind-hearted. In 1995, 19-year-old Matthew took a senior trip to Morocco with three of his classmates. One sleepless night, he headed out to the coffee shop nearby. On the way home, he was approached by a gang of locals who raped him six times and robbed him. The Moroccan police were unable to find the perpetrators. After that, Matthew became paranoid and suffered from anxiety, nightmares, and panic attacks. He started using drugs and was later hospitalized due to his clinical depression and suicidal ideation. He was open about his sexuality when he was on campus, and he was involved in the LGBT Student Association in his university. On the night of October 6, 1998, 21-year-old Matthew was befriended by Aaron McKinney and Russell Henderson at the Fireside Lounge. Both men were young and posed as if they were gay. They offered Matthew a car ride home in which he accepted. Aaron and Russell drove Matthew to a rural area. They robbed him and gave him a brutal beating. He was pistol whipped and tortured as Matthew begged for his life. They then tied him to the barbed wire fence and left Matthew to die. 18 hours later, a bicyclist discovered Matthew 
still alive but in a coma. His face was completely covered in blood and a gash over his head. Matthew was so unrecognizable that the bicyclist thought he was a scarecrow at first. At the hospital in intensive care, doctors discovered he had suffered fractures to the back of his head and in front of his right ear. He had severe brainstem damage, which affected his body's ability to regulate his heart rate, body temperature, and other vital functions. There were also about a dozen small lacerations around his head, face, and neck. His injuries were deemed too severe for doctors to operate. Matthew never regained consciousness and remained on life support until he was pronounced dead six days later after the attack. Aaron and Russell were arrested and were charged with attempted murder, kidnapping, and aggravated robbery at first. After Matthew's death, the charges were upgraded from attempted murder to first-degree murder, which meant that they were both eligible for the death penalty. Their girlfriends, Kristen Price and Chastity Paisley, were charged with being accessories after the fact. At the pre-trial hearing, Sergeant Rob Debris testified that Aaron had stated in an interview on October 9th that he and Russell identified Matthew as a robbery target. Detective Ben Fretzen testified that his girlfriend, Kristen, stated Aaron told her the violence against Matthew Shepard was triggered because of how Aaron, quote, felt about gays, unquote. Russell Hernandez pleaded guilty to the murder and kidnapping charges to avoid the death penalty. He also agreed to testify against Aaron McKinney. Aaron's lawyer, on the other hand, attempted to put forward a gay panic defense, adding that Aaron was driven by temporary insanity due to Matthew's alleged sexual advances. Aaron McKinney was found not guilty of premeditated murder, but guilty of felony murder. He was sentenced to two consecutive life terms without the possibility of parole. In 1998, federal laws did not cover sexuality or sexual orientation as a hate crime. Wyoming laws did not have hate crimes protecting specific groups of people. Matthew Shepard's death had a huge impact nationwide as a clear indication of the need for more expansive federal hate crime laws. The same year that Matthew was murdered, James Bird Jr., a black man from Texas, was also murdered by three men who specifically picked him out. This is the story of James Bird Jr. He was born on May 2, 1949, in Jasper County, Texas. James was third of nine children. His mother was a Sunday school teacher and his father was a deacon. James's last year in high school was the last segregated class. That year was 1967. He got married and had three children after high school, working as a vacuum salesman. He became alcoholic, 
committed petty crimes, and spent a few years in prison. On June 7, 1998, 49-year-old James Bird accepted a ride from three men in their 20s, Sean Barry, Lawrence Brewer, and John King. James was familiar with one of the men, Sean, from seeing him around town. Instead of taking James home, the three men took him to a remote road out of town, beat him, spray-painted his face, urinated and defecated on him, and chained him by his ankles to their pickup truck before dragging him for about three miles. The autopsy showed that James Bird was alive during much of the dragging. He died about halfway along the route of his dragging, when his right arm and head were severed as his body hit a culvert. Almost all of James' ribs were fractured. His brain and skull were found intact, and that's suggesting that he maintained consciousness while he was being dragged. James's body was dumped in front of Black Church. Then the three of them drove off to a barbecue. A motorist found James' remains the next morning. A wrench with the name Barry was found, which belonged to Sean Barry. A lighter was found that said Possum on it, which was John King's nickname in prison. How dumb were they? The police found James Bird's remains in 81 locations. 81. That's how gruesome his murder was. The FBI got involved due to the extreme circumstances. Two out of the three men were known to be white supremacists. One of them, John King, had many racist tattoos. A black man hanging from a tree, a Nazi symbol, and more. You get the idea. He also found pride in the crime. All three men were convicted for the murder. James Bird Jr. was murdered for being black in 1998. The same year, Matthew Shepard was murdered for being gay. The 1969 federal hate crime law only included race, color, religion, or national origin, and only while the victim was engaging in a federally protected activity, like voting or going to school. How crazy outdated is that? According to FBI statistics in 1991, of the 113,000 hate crimes, 55% were motivated by racial bias, 17% by religious bias, 14% sexual orientation bias, 14% ethnicity bias, and 1% disability bias. On October 22, 2009, the Matthew Shepard and James Bird Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act was passed and then signed by President Obama six days later. As a response to their murders and the expansion of the existing 1969 federal hate crime laws. Just to remind you, 
This is 11 years after the disgusting crimes took place. The new act now includes hate crimes motivated by gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, or disability. It also gives federal authorities greater abilities to engage in hate crime investigations. In addition, the act provides $5 million per year in funding to help state and local agencies pay for investigating and prosecuting hate crimes. It also requires the FBI to track statistics on hate crimes. Lastly, the prerequisite that the victim must be engaging in a federally protected activity was removed. The number of violent hate crimes reported in the United States in 2018 was the highest in 16 years, according to the FBI. That's the latest report on the FBI site. A bill introduced in the U.S. House of Representatives called the National Opposition to Hate, Assault, and Threats to Equality Act of 2017 would mandate new action to obtain more accurate hate crime statistics, including training law enforcement to recognize hate crimes and setting up reporting hotlines. No further action has been taken on that bill. In the midst of 2020, we are seeing more hate crimes committed almost every single day on the news, sometimes multiple times a day. With our smartphones, we have the ability to record reported and unreported hate crimes happening and sharing it on social media in a matter of minutes. We are faced with the ugly reality every day from our own homes. My heart breaks that there are people who don't see humans as one, and feel the need to hurt and murder others based on who they are, completely unprovoked. I can only be hopeful that some of us can learn from each other, see a different perspective, and educate the future generations. Thanks again for listening, and be safe out there.